You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. We are back, guys, and we have a great announcement to make here. Uh, as of July 1st, we are now part of the Herdat Sports Network. So this is very exciting. We're about to head into our eighth year of doing the podcast. So we are very uh, excited to join a bunch of great podcasts, uh, Husker podcasts and some great people all along with Herdat Media. So this is, this is really cool, guys. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts here? Oh, man, I'm psyched. I mean, you know, we've been doing this. We're entering our eighth year. This is kind of the season premiere of our eighth season of the podcast. It is. Uh, we've, we've done a lot, been around. And uh, to just be partnered up with a great uh, organization like Herdat um, is just really exciting for us. I'm excited to be able to come out. we got some other announcements coming in upcoming weeks about ways you can listen to us and different platforms. But, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Derek, your thoughts? Absolutely, it's awesome. But, Justin, you forgot to mention that in that eight years, we're one of the few podcasts that have actually covered a winning season in Nebraska. <laughs> yes, that is true. I mean, we you, started... Usually you like to point that out, so yeah. I figured you'd point that out. I mean, God, we started this podcast in 2016. Uh, Mike Riley went, what, 9-4 and four that season. Got to see a bowl game. But, I mean, my goodness, it's been pretty bad football since then and uh we we stuck through it we've been recording regularly throughout these uh past eight years well seven years we're getting ready to start our eighth year so i'm looking forward to it so again absolutely this is this is absolutely it's absolutely phenomenal it's a great honor to be a part of her that i couldn't be more proud of us and happy for them to get such a great podcast on their show. <laughs> way to gloat, way to gloat. <laughs> but again, uh, this is kind of Tyler alluded to. I mean, th- we are starting our eighth year th- tonight. We will be recording weekly from now all the way up until the end of the season and maybe beyond. It depends. if, As long as there's stuff to talk about, we will be putting out a podcast. So uh, we're excited here. So we got a great show planned for tonight. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and, you know, with the start of the season right around the corner, there's a lot of magazines, preview magazines that are out. We'll t- to kind of talk about those. We're going to talk about Nebraska and the over-under on the season that Vegas has on them. And then we're going to talk about coaches on the hot seat, which uh, sounded like a great idea Sunday night, but, you know, some news came out uh, yesterday that kind of blew that out of the water. So anyway, we're going to get all into that. Uh, tonight. So let's get into the recruiting update. Uh, Derek, a lot has gone on in the recruiting front uh, since we've last done an episode, which was probably a month ago, right? So we've made some great strides. Where is Nebraska now in the recruiting rankings today? All right. Well, obviously depends on which recruiting site you're looking at. And uh, Rivals has us right now at 17th in the nation, 5th in the Big Ten. On three has us 20th in the nation and fifth in the Big Ten. Uh, 24-7 has us uh, 16th and fifth in the Big Ten. What was interesting about the the Big Ten, the reason I bring them up, was uh, on three and 24-7 have uh, USC involved in 
the in their their rankings in the Big Ten already. Oh, really? Since this, yeah, because this class will essentially they'll be a Big Ten part of the Big Ten class. True. Yeah. And so they have they have USC and UCLA in there already. Uh, Rivals does not. Rivals has Wisconsin ahead of us. Uh, but by by all accounts, the only people we're behind are Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and USC by the other two recruiting services. And it kind of it kind of poses a, a question to me that I want to ask you guys. Uh, moving forward, do either one of you see any Big Ten team? Cracking that top four outside of those four teams, USC, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. It's going to be tough to be. I mean, you're going to have essentially have to have a top seven class in order to beat them out. Would it be crazy to say that if Mike Loxley keeps continuing doing what he's doing, the way that they're recruiting, that he could? I mean, he's recruiting well, but he's still behind Nebraska. I mean, I'm maybe. just, I'm throwing, you asked, you asked a team and I was like, maybe Mike Loxley, these, the maybe, way that maybe. he's I, recruiting has been pretty uh, remarkable, actually. I, I, I just, I look at those four teams and I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's going to be really tough for any big 10 team to out, outdo those four teams. Well, I mean, so, so with, with the exception of Nebraska, uh, cause Nebraska's in this tier of historical powers, I mean, USC, uh, Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State are four of the five greatest historical powers in the Big Ten. And with with the exception of UCLA, uh, who's also in there, they have five, four of the five top recruiting playgrounds to play in. So, I mean, UCLA, obviously, California is a huge one also. So, I, I, I mean, you look at the historical uh, relevance yeah, yeah. and I the fact that recruiting playgrounds, I mean, it is going to be hard to crack that, but, I mean, on a, especially on a consistent basis. It's just... I, they have a lot of built-in advantages already. Absolutely, and you're looking at teams like even Nebraska, who is a very historic, great historical team, but they have to recruit nationally, nationally in order to do that. You know, Ohio State gets a lot of recruits out of Ohio. Penn State gets a lot of recruits out of Pennsylvania. Yes. You know, you, obviously UCLA and USC are getting a ton of recruits out of California. I'm not saying they all don't recruit nationally because every team recruits nationally, but they're not relying on recruiting nationally as much as what Nebraska or a Minnesota or even a North. I mean, name the team, Wisconsin. I mean, there's not a ton of talent coming out of Wisconsin. What I will say is the thing about Nebraska that has like, and this is why I think it's not impossible is Nebraska under everything that we've gone through the last decade, the worst decade of Nebraska football by far, we have consistently put out top 20, top 22 classes. If we put anything forward a good product can that be bumped to a top 15 top 10 class so Derek if, if your question is 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 Nebraska or any team really primed to year after year do it the, the answer is probably no but man if USC starts shitting the bed again Penn State slips a little bit like and Nebraska puts it together could we beat them out I don't know one out of every three years I mean it's on the board one hundred percent. That's fair. I, again, I'm not saying it'll never happen. I, I just, it's, it's just hard to imagine. Right now, it, even Nebraska. Like I know we've continued to have good classes. Just, um, it's hard to imagine us having a top seven class. Yeah. All right. So Tyler, uh, 
Derek gave where Nebraska is ranked nationally and in the Big Ten. So who are some of these top recruits that are have been driving these rankings uh, to the next level? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really going to highlight guys that have committed really over the last few weeks. Um, you know, we've talked about some of these guys before, like Roger uh, Gradney, uh, who committed back in February. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really going to try to focus on some of the guys lately. And I, I got to start with the guy who committed on June 28th from Ainsworth, Nebraska, Mr. Carter Nelson. Uh, for you that do not know, Carter Nelson is the number two tight end in the country. Uh, and yeah, obviously a local kid. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that Georgia had maybe a shot at getting him. So this is a big get. Uh, a couple other names I want to highlight are a pair of wide receivers from Bellevue West. Obviously, both in state, uh, Davion Hall and Isaiah McMorris, uh, both of which are high three star or four star kids from local. Uh, also, since last time recorded, we got a QB in this class who's the number three or 33 QB in the country, uh, Daniel Kalen. Kylan, I'm going to probably butcher that last name a little bit, but. We're- just out of curiosity, Tyler, where, where, where is he ranked 33rd? He's is ranked that by 24-7? Yep. Yep. Yeah, 24-7 composite. Because okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, on three composite, has him as the number 27 quarterback. Yeah, yep, he but is. Whatever, that's fine. Yep. Um, I, was just, I was just curious where you got it. Yep. Um, uh, another guy we got who is also a uh, – has a brother on the team who is a four-star corner is Mario Buford. Uh, so also interesting there. And then last guy I just want to call out is a legacy – commit is camden cook uh he is the number five punter and his father is sam cook if you really want to feel old right now here is your window to do that so yeah so um again last time we recorded there was a lot of like ooh, is this class coming together and it, it all these guys have committed over the last three weeks or so and has really kind of shaped this into what we are to Derek's point now the number 16 class well, just to, just to add on to a little bit what you're talking about, Tyler, I, I want to talk about like like Daniel Kalen a little bit here. So up up until he went to the Elite Eleven, he was like a, seemed to be like a mid three star guy, and now he's bumped up to a four star on twenty four seven, and and that was enough for on three composite to bump him up to a four star as well. Uh, but I, and one guy you didn't mention was uh, Kiwan Lacey. Yeah. Who just committed, and, and he he just got bumped up to a four star. Not only did he get bumped up to a four star, he is now a top three hundred player on, on on three. Yeah, on, I mean, he's at like I think he's at number two ninety eight. But yeah, on three, still high, a top three hundred player. On three is high on him. Twenty four seven composite has him as not even a top forty running back. So on three is kind of the exception there. But yes, and, and that's fine. I mean. But according to on three, we we now we're not it's not really according to on three, but I was, I was looking at on three to get this stat. Uh, we we now have ten players on our recruiting class that have a four stars by at least one service. Interesting. That's impressive. So I mean, I, obviously the composites don't have them, all of them as four stars, but but there are ten guys that are four star by at least one recruiting service. That's- so. T- Tyler, I got a question here. I think I do know the answer, but I'm just going to ask you this anyway, because you were kind of critical on uh, Matt Rule and the staff's ability to recruit. 
How much are they exceeding your expectations on the recruiting front? In your well, I, I, I mean, I, I, there is no doubt they're doing it. I mean, I mean, when you, when Matt Rule came here, I would say that the one of the biggest concerns was how he's going to recruit, and from a stat and ranking, he is greatly exceeding expectations. Um, I, it is also I would call it kind of. Well, I do want to commend the staff, and it's all above expectation. There are also guys on this staff that's like, a month ago, I don't know if I would have said that. Like, a month ago, it was like, man, there's a lot of guys that were not ranked before we offered them. I mean, you know, I don't want to name names because I don't think it's fair. You're you're exactly right. But we were competing with Wyoming and Ped to get commits, and it's like, uh oh oh the other offers are Lindwood University and South Dakota State like it, yeah. it, it, I mean and, and uh, this is real this isn't made up and and so it was like man what are we doing here but what I appreciate about what they're doing is they're based on a lot of this off of what they're seeing in camps so they're getting these kids on campus they're seeing what they can do we all know recruiting services uh, services can be wrong these kids have another year they could prove it on the field but yeah, I mean, it. there's been some puzzling moments in this. And, and I guess I shouldn't say that like as if you were the only person with that take because that was a big take from everybody, including including me and Derek like in the very beginning when Matt Rule was assembling the staff. That was a big concern because of the lack of uh, experience as coaches and recruiting. It's like, oh, my God, what's we going to do? But, yeah, the staff is like they're killing it right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, And by all accounts, these recruits like this staff. They, I mean – yeah, old Toby, old Toby McGuire, uh, Garrett McGuire. Toby McGuire. I always call him Toby. You know, uh, old Garrett McGuire, the old twenty-three-year-old kid, barely out of college, that we that I think we've all been very harsh on, is landing some pretty decent wide receiver recruits oh. right now, and, and by all accounts, these these wide receivers seem to love him. Well, so so I, I've got a couple things to react to right now, but let's talk about Garrett, Garrett McGuire here. So right now we have six wide receivers in this class already, and last year we brought in four. So I know we're, we're next week kind of a preview. We're going to break down position battles. I have not been high on this wide receiver room so far uh, going into 2023, but we will have brought in 10 new wide receivers, freshmen or under, in the last two classes. Um, I mean, that there is a lot of upside there. And you mentioned the staff in general. Do you guys know the number one state in the country that we have the most commits from? Is it Texas? Texas. It's Texas. The, the, the Texas pipeline has been dead for since we've gone to the Big Ten, and Matt Rule has, in a very short order, revived it. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you could point to that as keys to that, but it is really interesting um, – yeah, I mean, the, the, those two trends are something to definitely keep an eye on as we break up. I, I, I do like that that trend more than the Calabrasca trend. <laughs> Calabrasca, everybody loved Calabrasca oh, yes, until it did. failed. I mean, it was it was it was so fun. I mean, there were T-shirts, Calabrasca. I mean, everybody was Calabrasca. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I do want to point out like just kind of a couple other interesting recruiting trends at this point. So. Nebraska is one of 14 teams in the country with over 20 commits already, which I think is fascinating because we do not have 20 seniors on this roster. So let me kick it to you guys. What do you think Matt Rule's strategy is here? 
Do you think that he plans on a lot of attrition on the current roster? Do you think he plans on attrition in the class? Do you think he just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to run these kids out if they're not performing? Like, what is his strategy? Because they're not done recruiting. They're, they're, they're already, we already still have to cut to get to fall camp. Like, it, it's an interesting tr- development here that we just continue to over-roster in a yeah, very short window sample. I mean, he's so. looking at trends also in today's scope of college football. There's always transfers. And, you know, you just have to really count on you're going to have a lot of transfers out of your uh, out of your program, whether you're doing things uh, right or wrong. I mean, it's transfers, transfers are going to happen. You could have a great team, great chemistry, a great season – there's going to be guys that are going to be leaving regardless. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he's just thinking that. He has to be thinking uh, long-term, right, or the big picture. He's Matt Rule has never come off as the type of guy that just, like, signs just to sign. He has a plan. He's always he's always had a plan for everything that he's done. He's very uh, – there's so much uh, metho- methodology <laughs> in what he does. But uh, I don't know. I – I don't think he has any ill intentions. Is that what you're kind of alluding to, maybe? Not even ill intentions, but more of like, I mean, what Matt Rule has, in my opinion, kind of preached is, I want to get a guy in my system, he's going to be around, like, he seems like a guy that isn't into the 2023 college football, the transfers and all this, and it seems like he's setting up a roster where... I mean, he's going to have to force three or four guys years to... that he has his guys. Well, yeah. so is is that is that what it is right now? He's just not. You do you think that? Let me put it this way: Do you think this is any sort of indictment of what he thinks the current roster state is? That he's like, man, I know I got some guys that I can't cut it right now. I, 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 I if you want my honest opinion, it seems pretty typical for a new year for a first year coach, like. I mean, you're going to oversign probably that that first class because you're going to expect some kids to leave. I mean, we, we especially we, think, especially in the world of transfer portal now. I mean, I, I, and, I and according to on three, there's already he's already below the 85 scholarship limit. Tell That's me the guys that gave out. Tell me the guys that well, transferred. Well, I, I don't know who's transferred because some of them didn't transfer. So apparently, there's been some retirements from football on this team already, and they haven't announced who they are. I mean, we, we need to start pulling some strings with her dad and see if we can get an updated <laughs> flipping roster because this is driving me crazy. Can I give you guys – I know we're probably wrapping up the recruiting. I want to give you guys two names to pay attention to, and I want to give a shout-out to another coach who I think is killing on the recruiting trail is Donnie Rayola. So I know, Justin, you've been critical of him, but right now we have four offensive linemen in this class. Um, uh, Pyle uh, uh, okay. just had a very, very uh, – great camp and has been bumped up uh, to a four-star in some things, Gibson Pyle out of uh, Houston, Texas. But right now, two of our highest-rated recruits that we're in the runnings for are Gaitland Blair, uh, who is the number nine uh, overall offensive lineman in the country from Iowa, the number one recruit out of Iowa. We are currently favored to get him. And uh, Preston Gardney, uh, who is an offensive lineman, who is the number 15 interior lineman from Hawaii. Uh, is another name that we're like kind of in that top tier of favorite to get right now. And both of those guys, if we landed them both, would be among our top four in this class. So uh, I thought it was Grant Bricks that was 
the offensive lineman from Iowa. Yeah, it is. It is. I apologize. TJ's Butcher Shop. Oh, I this know. This episode Damn is brought it. to you by TJ's I, Butcher Shop. Gosh darn it. I was doing so well, too. <laughs> I was doing so well. Get, Sorry. <sighs> Sorry, Tyler. I hate to, I hate to Caitlin remember. Blair is the wide receiver. I is from okay. the wide receiver from Ohio. I read one line too much down. Who's all? Yeah. But again, uh, McGuire in the house again. But damn it, <laughs> this close, man. This, this close. close. Man, that sounds like a Scott Frost. This close. I, I mean, know. I, I, we, and I'm the one who wanted to get those last names in too. I could have just let the next segment come, but yeah. I had to do it. So yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the next segment because uh, we're going to talk about some uh, the magazines that are coming out because this is the time of the year that everybody's loading up on magazines. But I, I don't know about you guys in Nebraska. I, I'm in Texas right now, Waco, Texas. For some reason, it is hard to find college football preview magazines in the stores. Like Walmart. Walmart, there's nothing in Walmart. You go into Walmart and look for anything like a football magazine, college football, pro football, anything, there's nothing. I don't, I don't even recall seeing high school football. There's always the uh, high school football magazine. Uh, Walmart here has Athlons and Lindy's. Do they? Okay. It, it's weird, uh, but I, I did uh, get my Phil Steele magazine. Uh, this well, that's year. on Phil Steele. A guy like Phil Steele and everything, but that's on him. He signed this new contract with, or whatever, with Barnes & Noble and whoever whoever the other place is that he's selling his magazine. I think it's but just like, online or Barnes & Noble, nah, isn't it? There was, a, there was another one. that It was a story I'd never heard of that he mentioned that you could buy it at. Well, to be fair to Phil Steele, not to go in this, this all has to do with distribution last year. Last year was a shit show for his magazine getting out. So I think he had to make some tough decisions about where they're yeah. actually getting plays. But Maybe. that's neither here nor there. But anyway, I got my fifth uh, Phil Steele as I do every year. And there's some interesting nuggets. And I'm sure a lot of these uh, magazines are pretty similar in their outlook. But fit, uh, Phil Steele has Nebraska finishing fifth in the Big Ten West. Not too much of a shock. Has uh, Nebraska finishing ahead of Northwestern and Purdue. Uh, He does a position rankings in the Big Ten for Nebraska, and he really has Nebraska kind of like in the middle of the pack. Uh, On offense, he has the quarterbacks and running backs ranked number six in the Big Ten, and the receivers and offensive line ranked eight in the Big Ten. Moving to the defense, he kind of has us in the bottom half of the conference with uh, number 11 defensive line, uh, number 10 linebackers, and number 7 defensive backs, and uh, also nine ranked 9 in special teams, uh, or 9 in the Big Ten for special teams. So Before you move on, I just want to compare some of those to Athlons, because that was really far off from what really? Athlons has. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Tell me. So Athlons has quarterbacks at number nine in the conference. Okay. They have running backs at number 10. They have wide receivers at number 10. They have the offensive line at number 10. They have the defensive line at number 10. They have linebackers at number five. That's the best our best position group, according to Athlons. Oh. And then uh, defensive backs, they have seventh. Okay. There's a lot of cr- contrast. I, I, I was a little surprised by when you started mentioning that because I knew they were 10th and the Big Ten in a lot of the categories when I looked at that. Well, so, I mean, not, not to derail my own little uh, Phil Steele preview here, but 
that's one thing that I do not really like about Athlon. They they they're in such a hurry to release a magazine earlier in the year. There's still people transferring by the time they uh, publish and release it. That's why I do appreciate Phil yeah, Steele a little I bit mean, more because he he what, waits what until line, everything. What else. linebackers transferred out that would have dropped us that far? No, I mean I, I'm not giving any specific examples. I'm just talking uh, in generalities here. Uh, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I just in this scenario, I don't think I agree with that necessarily. Well, we'll see. We'll see who left. I mean, we again, we don't know the roster, and I if, if you believe Phil Still, he talked to Rule and staff, so maybe he's got an inside scoop on what this roster is looking like. I, I don't know what name that would be to your point, Derek. I don't. I mean, but yeah. So, so to move on, you know, talking about this roster that we have now. And you look at the rankings that Phil Steele has here. Uh, he doesn't have anybody higher than a third, uh, a third team, uh, all conference. On offense, he has Bryce Benhart as a, a third team offensive lineman. He has uh, Gabe Irvin as a fourth, fourth team uh, running back, and Kemp as a fourth team wide receiver. On defense, he has Quentin Newsom uh, as the third-team defensive back, and nobody else. <laughs> nobody else. And then uh, Bushini, Brian Bushini, is a fourth-team uh, punter. So, kind of like the most years under Frost, and maybe even Riley, if you go back that far. There's not a lot of uh, guys that are making these all-conference teams in the preseason. I mean, I thought that was interesting. And the final thing that I just want to bring up is when Phil Steele, when he recaps all of his teams, he has all these power rankings. He has got like nine different metrics for his power rankings. And six of the nine power rankings has Nebraska making a bowl game, which is good. We all think that they can make a bowl game. Uh, but not all of his uh, models has Nebraska making a bowl game. So I think that that is interesting in uh, tempering expectations. So, Derek, talk about Athlon. What, what are some interesting nuggets out of there? All right. So they have us ranked 55th in the country. Uh, they have us outranking five opponents that we're playing, and it's Purdue at number 57. Colorado at 75, Northwestern at 84, uh, Louisiana Tech at 112th, and Northern Illinois at 113th. Uh, they have us fifth in the Big Ten West, going three and six in the Big Ten West, or Big Ten. Uh, the, the, the all Big Ten team, I again, Phil Stills higher on them on 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 Nebraska than apparently Athlons is because Athlons only has. Two players making team making the teams, and it's Luke Reimer on second team defense, and Quentin Newsom on third team defense, and that's the only two. Wow, get mentioned. Um, so I found that pretty interesting. Uh, they have us going six and six overall. They have, they're projecting us to go to the Pinstripe Bowl to play Louisville. Uh, I, I found this interesting because we talk about how. Uh, easy this schedule is, I guess. I don't know if you want to call it easy, but we we kind of get a break this year because we don't get the Ohio State. We don't have Penn State. Uh, 
but I was looking through the bowl projections, and eight of our opponents, eight out of the 12, are projected to make a bowl game. So it's kind of a sneaky, tougher schedule than I think anybody's really thinking of it as, if their projections are right. Uh, another thing I, I found interesting was they ranked uh, all the coaching hires. Uh, and they, they have Matt Rule fifth. as an a, They graded him as an A hire. But they had Luke Fickle, number one. Jeff Brom, number two. And that one blew me away. I see it. Uh, Deion Sanders, number three. Nope. And Jamie Chadwell at Liberty as the number four hire. Now, Justin likes him. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah. I, he was Chadwell a guy I would like solid. to have seen. I'd like to have seen Nebraska pick him up if we hadn't gotten uh, Overrule? I mean, I, I, I think. Not, not overrule, no. Yeah. No, not overrule. I, I think, but, I, but he was yeah. he was in my list of guys I'd like to see get higher when we were talking about coaches that we Nebraska should be looking. At. I, I think so, Rule should have been second or third on that. List. So I guess I guess it depends what their criteria is when they rank these. I mean, because Colorado getting Prime as head coach, I mean, there's there's probably not a lot of guys that they could have gotten as head coach that's better than that. In the case right. of Jamie Chadwell, Liberty, Liberty getting Jamie Chadwell. I mean, that is a huge get. I, I was shocked Jamie Chadwell did not get hired in a yeah. Power 5 conference. I, 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 it shocked I me saying. he did not get a better job. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, interesting. Well, uh, And then the one, the one last thing I thought I thought was interesting was they gave a list of the top transfers in the, in, out of this class, and I think they had 23 guys listed. Now that to- 23 guys, Jeff Sims was not listed. And it shocked me a little bit because – Reading all the Nebraska material, we talk. They all talk about what a great transfer Jeff Sims is, and it doesn't even crack the top twenty-three according to Athlons. He's top and yet, thirty, and yet Ernest Hausman made it in that list, and he's probably a backup linebacker this year. Yeah, but he's behind like a second team all all Big Ten player. I mean, yeah, that's fair, but. Still shocks me that he he was considered a better transfer when I, I don't know. I'm hoping Jeff Sims is better than what Athlons has given him credit for, I guess. Well, you and me both. Well, I, I am still waiting for one of my publications in pick six. I'm expecting that any day now. But I do have Adam McClintock, who uh we've had on many times, the college professor uh college football professor, uh, who does a really good analytical preview, so a little bit different than you guys. Um but shockingly or not shockingly this kind of the same output he has nebraska finishing fifth in the west going six and six and it's not really that much different from that aspect um a couple things that i did think interesting is he has us having a 67 percent chance of going bowling um which is i guess better than 50 50 um in previous years you've seen a really big if you you followed him closely you've seen a really big disparity between like nebraska's ceiling and their floor this year the ceiling's seven and five the floor is five and seven so i would say his confidence of where we are is pretty pretty close and probably more shocking to me he only has two toss-up games and before i let you guys guess what the two toss-up games are I would have guessed this would have been much higher because when I look at our schedule, I see like seven or eight toss-up games. I mean, there, there's a lot of games as I'm finalizing my predictions. I'm like, God, that could go either way. Uh, so who do you think his two toss-up games were? 
Is Purdue one? Purdue, Purdue, and Illinois, Maryland. Well, uh, if you guys combine yours, uh, you would be correct. It's Ill, uh, uh, well, maybe maybe should I get this? It's Illinois and Maryland. Oh. Purdue is not a toss-up game. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you on Purdue. Um, make sure I get the. Surely Purdue's not favored over us, right? Uh, let me make sure I get the right place. Uh, make sure you get the right year, Tyler. I, I, I am fairly confident I have the right year. Okay. Uh, Purdue, uh, we are uh, handed favorites on Purdue. Really? Um, okay. So, yeah. So Illinois and Maryland. Are the, two, okay. are the two toss-up games. So uh, for clarification, he lists toss-up games as within a three-point spread, correct? Yes, yes, yep. Okay. And, now, and now look, as far as all these magazines, as far as all these magazines go, like it, it's fair. Like fifth in the Big Big Ten West, it, it's it's tough to put Nebraska above Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin. It's tough to put us ahead of any of those teams. All those teams have been beating us the last couple of years. It's tough to put Nebraska ahead of them until they start beating them. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to get into the whole preview thing. We've got many weeks leading the season on this, but what I will say is while Nebraska definitely has a lot of things to overcome, every team you mentioned is also in a, like they have something really unique coming in there. Minnesota losing Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim. How does that look? Wisconsin bringing in Luke Fickle. I know he's a great hire. How does that change them? Uh, Walter, well, yeah, Walter's leaving in- Illinois. Uh, and then Iowa has the 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 uh, anchor on their team in Brian Ferentz that we just don't know how that's going to respond. So I, I again, there there is upside there, especially when you talk about Wisconsin because I'm seeing so much love for Wisconsin. He's bringing in Phil Longo, who is an air raid guy. I mean, and, and so be it. Whatever they're they're trying to change things up. I just wonder how that's going to look at Wisconsin. And I, I, how, are they, are they going to struggle with it? So is he, is he going to, is he going to be willing to use Braylon Allen the way Braylon Allen probably should be used? Is Wisconsin right now the most interesting team in the big 10? Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the, I'm most interested in Wisconsin now. And mainly it's because of Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback. I think there. they could struggle. I, I really think they could struggle. I'm not as high on Mordecai as you are, Justin. Well, so I, I watched him in high school. He gradu- he graduated a year ahead of my daughter. So I watched a lot of Tanner Mordecai in high school. Saw him, you know, uh, he, he went to Oklahoma. Then he went to SMU, tore it up at SMU. Now he's at Wisconsin. So he's a stand-up dude, uh, great quarterbacks. So And I, I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I think he's going to have a lot of... He's going to do a lot of good things at Wisconsin. They're going to be tough. I mean, they have like 10 returning starters on offense and eight returning starters on defense. They are just going to be very, very tough. And I get what you're saying uh, about the new offensive coordinator, but with a quarterback that can deliver the ball like Tanner Mordecai can, they're going to be scary. Plus, well, that I, offensive I hope, line I hope is delivers not going better away. Than he did in the spring game. In the spring game, he threw like four interceptions and did not look good in it. You know what? You know what? Who else didn't look good in a spring game? Nebraska. Okay, well, let's leave that aside. But the, here's the thing: it, I, I don't know if I'm as high. Again, I already said I'm not as high a Mordecai as you are. But the other thing is, who is he throwing the ball to? Because Wisconsin isn't exactly 
Ohio State in the wide receiver department. And and nothing else. It is just it is what Nebraska did when we brought in Bo Pelin, or, or Bill Callahan. It is just such a change of everything that made them successful the last 20 years. And maybe it worked. I think Luke Fickle's a hell of a coach. Maybe you are right. Maybe Mordecai is one of the three or two best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I, and if that happens, then Nebraska should be scared. But there's also this like scenario that wouldn't shock me of it just falls off the rails. Well, not only that, but they got rid of the defensive coordinator who's, in my mind, a top five coordinator in the in country, probably. I agree with you. I think Leonard was a great, a huge loss for them. And again, so what does that look like on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, and, and we can all like Luke Fickle and appreciate what he did at Cincinnati. And I think he's a hell of a coach, but there is a difference between going. This is why those teams shouldn't be in power five. Like there is a difference going to the Big Ten. I think it's funny that we're talking Nebraska and all of a sudden we just <laughs> we just go into like a five-minute rant about Wisconsin. I mean, w- there's going to be a lot of discussion over the next seven weeks on Wisconsin because they're fascinating. And, they and it's going to be interesting to see. Again, the most interesting team, like I, I, I will be tuning in to more Wisconsin games than any other team in the Big Ten outside of Nebraska just to see how this thing plays out. Yeah. I'm with you. So – uh, Vegas has the over/under for Nebraska season total wins at six point five. So we've heard about what some of the other magazines and, uh, including Adam McClintock, with their preview on Nebraska is. Tyler, I'm not gonna ask you if you had to bet today, one thousand dollars of your money. Are you betting over or under on Nebraska at six point five? I think it's a damn good spread. Um, I, I, I really do. I think Vegas, uh, I, I say this, I feel like every year they, they get a good line for Nebraska. But today, and subject to change, I, I think I, I, if I had to bet, I'd take the over. Um, I, I am not on board with what Athlon and a lot of these publications are saying. I, I, the Big Ten, I, I, I think there's cracks in the armor of a lot of these teams were playing in the Big Ten. Um, I don't think Matt Rule is going to follow suit what he's done everywhere else and just start off really slow. Um, there's a lot of gaps on this roster. We're not complete. He is definitely working to address that. Um, I, I am not projecting by any means a 10-win season or anything crazy, but I, if you ask me today, I, I would take the over. Derek, what would you do? thousand dollars i i would pretty much easily bet the under i I, not that i think that we're gonna be a terrible team i six wins i think i think is gonna be a a a pretty good feat for nebraska i think i think that's a good a good season for us right now i i think part of it has to do with the inexperience of these coaches and i know they're killing it on recruiting trail and i'm not trying to crap on the on this on the staff or anything like that but there's a lot of inexperience on this staff and to come into the big 10 and try and start trying to figure things out. It's going to be a tough conference to start getting your experience in. So I, I, I think with that, I think there's going to be a lot of lessons learned with this staff, and I, I think there's going to be some pretty tough games. It's going to be probably a lot of uh, close games at that. And I, I don't know that we've done well in close games lately. I don't know that that changes in New coach, year. new coach. Come on, Derek. 
Yeah, but that doesn't change in one year, I don't think. I, I, yeah, it's, it's going to I mean, look, I think Matt Rule is a good hire. I think he's a great hire. I think eventually he will get us back to 10, maybe even 11 wins. And it's just not this year. And I I hope I'm wrong. I I hope, I hope we win all of our games. Obviously, I hope we win all of our games. But obviously, some of the games aren't going to be very winnable. But I, I just, right, I, I, think that's, I think it's a good line. But if if I had to bet a thousand dollars on it, I'm taking the under. Yep, I I'm with you actually. I'm looking at the schedule right there. A lot of winnable games on there, but I just don't know if we have quite have the roster and the time with the coaching staff. We we it's have not a lot even the more... roster. It's it's not even the roster that bothers me. So I was going back and I was looking at, uh, uh, you know, if you go on twenty four seven, they have they uh, talent. They, they, uh, team talent, I think is what they call it. They rank it by team talent. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Nebraska ranks higher than every Big Ten West team of like, like the last four or five years. Yeah. And, and I, I, they haven't come out with 2023s yet, but I imagine with our recruiting class from last year, we're going to be probably ahead of all those teams again. So I, I hate to blame the roster because I don't think it's a roster problem. I just. I think it's, it's the it's, it's, a, it's about figuring out how to win games. I think it's the roster that are in starting positions today. The guy, the guys that are will be playing this year. I mean, you you kind of see it a little bit in just uh, what Athlon and what Phil Steele shows on all conference guys, and it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. I mean, you could probably argue a little bit more. as like, wow, those guys are in the top four teams, maybe. Not to shit on this roster or anything, but it is it is a concern a little bit. But just the just the way everything is going to go with uh, the number or uh, just the way the schedule, a lot of winnable games. I just don't see more than seven, six wins. Yes, I see six, but there's no way I would bet that we would get the seventh win in year one. Uh, I, I, just, I just wouldn't bet the money. Ooh, boo! I, 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 I will say this: I, to me, the, the whole the whole season is going to stem off of the Minnesota game. Because if we could beat Minnesota and start out the year four and zero, then I, I think I think seven wins is very feasible. Well, yeah, if you start off four and zero, but I'm I don't. But you got to get past Minnesota. I think the other three games: Colorado, Louisiana Tech, and Northern Illinois. They're almost must win games. Yeah, but. And I and look, I, I understand that we're like seven to nine point underdogs to Minnesota or whatever it is as of right now, but I don't think that's an unwinnable game. Like I think it's a winnable game. I'm not saying we're going to win it, but again, if you can win that game, then my my whole attitude of this season changes. Well, it changes for everybody, right? Well, you would think, sure. All right. Uh, Hey, we are going to get in. Uh, So we kind of finished the magazine predictions and talked about Vegas over under based off those Vegas predictions, or I'm sorry, with based off with the magazine predictions. Can I replay an old classic clip of the podcast uh, in referencing Phil Steele? Because we've been talking Phil Steele for so long and there's such a great clip Back when Cousin Patrick was on the show and, you know, you, you had to love his enthusiasm. He loved talking Husker football. He loved, obviously, he loved Phil Steele a lot. 
But this is this is such a great clip. This clip will never get old. So uh, I'm going to play this little clip here before we get into the coaches on the hot seat. It's no, it's no surprise. It's that that the Phil Steele magazine is probably our favorite amongst the cousins here. Our favorite preview of college football. It's the most objective. It's the most analytical. There's no bones about it. There's no bias. It's wonderful, and it's thick, and it's huge, and it's worth your money. Uh, based off of the Phil Steele uh, 2017 college football preview, I have to say there are some interesting things in it that I might have issue with. Uh, Justin, do you have do you have any? Uh, okay, Derek, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I guess uh, my biggest thing is, uh, oh, I, I, I've lost my train of thought. Go to Justin. I'm sorry. Justin, can you compose yourself? And... <laughs> you can't say freaking huge, dude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I lost it up thinking huge. I'm sorry. I'm such a teenager. Yeah, uh, you are. <laughs> that's why we. That's why we picked you for this thing. <laughs> no, I, I think I think what I got out of uh, Phil Steele's writing. All right, so that is a classic, classic clip from the Husker Cuzcast. Uh, that might be, uh, Tyler. You're on mute. You're you're talking. Top, top you're, you're pretty animated, but history. you're on mute. Was that a top five moment in podcast history? It's yeah. It, it's up there. I mean, it's that thing that day just recorded. That was a very that was a huge struggle. That was a struggle when. Uh, Patrick said that I, was that year one or year two, ta- Derek? Do you? Uh, I was remember? on it, so it was year two. Twenty seventeen makes sense. It, yeah, it, it was year two because we covered the twenty sixteen season. Okay, it, so it was probably still the first year, but I mean, it was starting the second second season. Oh my bless, god! Bless it's y'all if you remember that. Bless bless y'all if you remember that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's uh, get into our final segment of the night, and that's Coaches on the Hot Seat. Again, uh, Sunday night when we were putting this uh, show agenda together, this was going to be a much more fascinating conversation, I thought, for Coaches on the Hot Seat, but it became maybe even more of an uh, interesting conversation because Pat Fitzgerald was fired as head coach of Northwestern yesterday, and that came as as – a, sh- a bit of a shock. Uh, we knew that he might be on the hot seat, or at least uh, by our estimations, because of recent performance and the fact that he was placed on a two-week suspension due to a hazing incident. And I guess that probably sounds a little bit light, I guess. I mean, apparently it was a fireable offense, so it was a little bit more serious. But... uh we're going to talk about coaches of the hot seat, but let's react to Pat Fitzgerald, head coach of Northwestern, being fired. Tyler, what are your thoughts here? I mean, first of all, Pat Fitzgerald, I mean, you you want to talk about coaches as a Nebraska fan that I feared on the field. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is among the highest. Um, I mean, I mean, this guy has 
I don't want to say he has had Nebraska's number, but definitely has won games that no one thinks he should have won, uh, including last year in Ireland. Um, I mean, he's an alum. He's this. I, I don't want to get into all the allegations. I don't want to get into the severity of them and start trying to say, is this worse than what happened at Penn State? Or is this worse than what happened at Baylor? Because I think that's kind of a moot question. Well, I, it's, I, it's a stupid question because the answer is no. It is well, nowhere fair, near those two. Sure, sure. sure. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I guess my point is I, I think that it, it completely shifts what Northwestern is as a program. Um, without Pat Fitzgerald, I, I really wor- I, I think that you instantaneously plug them into the bottom of the Big Ten for the foreseeable future. I, but when we were talking about this segment initially, without this scandal, I had Pat Fitzgerald number two on my list. I think he was right there as guys that were most likely to get fired. And as these allegations started coming out, um, it was like, oh, man, maybe he's bumping up there as really, really on the hot seat. And I can't help but feel there might be a little bit of element of the Northwestern admin was like, we have uh, the most successful coach in school history who hasn't been performing without his infamous defensive coordinator. Maybe this is a good out. And and that is a part of the reason why he's been fired. Is that a crazy take to say that him being fired isn't entirely because of the scandal? No, not entirely. I mean, I think there's uh, uh No, I mean, I think you're onto something. It's I, I don't think so. I, I, I look. I if you're looking to fire this guy, you could have fired him. I mean, you could have even given him one more season and seen what he did. Yeah, but you can't and then fired him. No, no, but no, no. You stu- can't fire him. This stuff that was Derek. happening was was bad stuff. I mean, Derek, it was, this wasn't. Derek, I want to correct this you. Wasn't that, that's bullshit. Stuff. This that's, wasn't. That is bullshit. I, I, no, it's not. No, you could have fired him, but you would have paid him that forty-two million dollars that he's due. If you have this as a scandal, then you fire with with cause, and you don't have to pay him that money. And, that's and, what all, that's where, and he's it's suing. It's all about the money. He, okay, he is suing. Him. That's why you're firing him, though. Like. I don't think his record had anything to do with it. Like I, I think he was fired regardless. With the information that's coming out, I think he was so, fired so, so, regardless. So let me let me ask this question, Derek. So Northwestern has obviously been up and down. Twenty twenty, they were very much up. If they had just come off of winning the West with this scandal, do you think he's fired today? Yes, I don't agree with that. I, I just, right, I said, I, 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 again, as bad as these it, allegations. It's one are. thing to have some hazing. I, I understand hazing goes on in every football team. It, it's whatever. It is what it is. But when you have the allegations of the sexual nature and, and today's society going on with what was going on there, yeah, this is absolutely a fireable offense. Like, this is stuff that's going on that cannot happen anymore. And it should not happen. There was absolutely no reason for these things to be happening to any of these people. Sure, I, I don't disagree. I, 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 I again, and, and, and again, he either knew about it or he didn't. But if he didn't know about it, then he was being neglectful. And if he, he did know about it, he knew absolutely he knew about it. There was a, apparently a whiteboard going on that explained all the rules to the Shrek list, whatever that was. I, it is what it is. Shrek's list, but, yeah. Naked bear crawl there, there, and naked was slingshot was on the whiteboard. And, and, 
Yes, and it's on, it's on a whiteboard in the middle of a locker room. There's no way he didn't know about this. What is a Absolutely naked no slingshot, way. guys? What is a I, naked slingshot? I don't, I don't need to know, really. Yeah, I, my life's okay not knowing that one. But you know what? With TikTok today, who knows? These could, would have been TikTok. Little TikToks. No, no, naked they, bear think, crawls. No, I, who doesn't I, like I, to do yeah, a naked bear crawl? It, it's weird. It's humiliating. It's degrading for these athletes. It, it's all those things. I, again, I don't want to, like... I, 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 I want things that you cannot have in your program anymore. Hazing's one thing. You're giving guys a little bit of a hard time. That's one thing. To to do this stuff, making them do it naked and all this other crap is totally just. I, I don't know. I think it's sick and wrong. It's weird. I cannot believe it's, I, it is weird. It's just minimum weird. It's minimum the, weird. Why do you want to see this as a as a teammate no. or a coach? Why do you want to see these kids walking around doing bear crawls naked? Like what what enjoyment are you getting out of this? The wiener car wash wash has to be the weirdest one out of all though. The, all of them are weird. There's the quarterback center exchange naked thing. Yeah. What the why? There's a lot of nudity going on in Northwestern. There is. Game of Thrones, I, I man. The big know, Game of Thrones. I don't know if you guys remember playing sports. I don't know if you guys remember playing when you guys played sports, but when I was playing football or any other sport, even when I was in the army and I had to freaking shower with everybody, I was in a corner trying to hide from everybody because I don't want to be around all these naked guys. You know, it's so I don't, I don't understand what what enjoyment they're getting out of this. So, Derek, when we were in the army, you know how uh, like you do like weird stuff in the army. You know, like next thing you know, you're cleaning out a huge dumpster. Or, you know, just stuff. It's like, hey, this was not this was not in the commercial. Be all you can be, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some of these guys, as they're like, uh, you know, hiking the ball to a naked dude behind them, they're like, this was not on the recruiting visit at all. <laughs> I mean, this was not in the video. I mean, what am I doing here? Why am I doing uh, a winter car wash? Again, you want to do a little hazing. You want to teach them a little lesson for screwing up in practice. Whatever. Toughen up. But when it involves getting dry humped, and getting held down by ten guys, I could probably do without that. Yeah. I, again, it, it, I don't want. I can't argue. I just, I, I, something in my gut feels that performance on the field is at least part of the reason why. Now I, now I will say this: like there are some conflicting stories here because some of these some of these players are coming out and saying all this stuff happened, and there was another player that came out and said uh, a current player. That said, he talked to the one guy that is supposedly anonymous and nobody knows who it is, but he was a former player. And he had talked to him and he did not like Pat Fitzgerald and would do anything to get him fired, even if it meant exaggerating. So so if if that's the case, and I agree with you guys that he probably shouldn't have been fired over this. I just, I, I do not believe the university had the time to do a proper investigation on this scandal. They had six months. Yeah, but to go, but think about how drastic that is to go from a two week suspension to you're fired in, in five like days. a matter of like 20. Yeah. Yeah. It was five which, days. Which tells me, which tells me some evidence came out that there was like, Oh, okay. This was maybe worse than what the, the investigation was showing. Maybe, maybe. And again, that's I, what that tells me. It's like, okay. He, he knew much more about this than what we ever thought. I, Again, be it as it may, I, I think that from a... I mean, there, there there was one rumor going around that there was supposedly video of him putting freshmen on the Shrek list. So he was basically telling these 
upperclassmen to the whole thing. And I I heard that. And then I started reading uh, Pat Fitzgerald's um, statement about how he's going (laughs) to hire a lawyer and blah, blah, blah. And the only thing I could think of was a few good men and listening to Jack Nicholson. I stand on a line. (laughs) (laughs) He gives that long speech, you know, and then all of a sudden, you can't handle the truth. I, I mean, did I'll, you order the coat red? You goddamn right, I did. I, I will I just see, say, I, I can see this out of Pat Fitzgerald uh, right now. Uh, uh, I can see that too. It, it is ogre now. It is all done. <laughs> it, it is finished. Um, Shake his life. Shake his love. It, it, it is. It. I, I don't think it was love. I don't think it was life. I think it was messed up. Um, the Big Ten West has changed. Like, I mean. The the is there any fear at all with Northwestern going into twenty twenty three? Well, not right now because who's going to take that job? I mean, it, it, they are going to have to go to a a coordinator or a group of five coach because I don't think any power five coach is going to Northwestern. It is. And it's not a, get it's, any coach it's the worst outside. job in the Big it's Ten. It is is yeah. the singular worst job in the Big Ten. Absolutely, it is. You can't and it recruit was, because you can't because the academics are too high. Yes, you can't get transfers in because of the academics. Like that is a tough school to coach at. You, you, you got don't a have the fans full of guys that want to get naked. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things you have to coach out of them. <laughs> it's a lot of culture changing there. A lot of cool. Hey, which, it, but. And I, I and I I feel like we're making a little joke of that, but isn't that crazy though? If if you had to say, like, perception, maybe not equal reality, but six months ago, if you were to sit there and say, what locker rooms do you feel have the best culture? Wouldn't Northwestern have been at the top of the list? Oh, easy, probably easy, yeah. And 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 to turn out that this was the crap that was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and and who knows when this started? I, who knows if this was all of it? Maybe this is one of the reasons why. The, who knows the culture... if it's even true? Well, and that that that's the thing about this. It just seems like this was very quick. And I I, I do believe the 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 things that have come out. I I don't believe this is entirely false. But what what well, did it, it wasn't like? it wasn't just the hazing. There was also some apparent racism going on. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I, again, I don't know if it's true. I don't. I, it's obviously all allegations. I know one guy said that all the black players had to cut their dreads off if they had long hair or whatever, and white players could have long hair. They didn't care. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and there, there was another one that another guy come out and said that you had to act white, which I'm not really sure what that means quite, but apparently you have to act white in, in that locker room or. I, I, he didn't really say what happened, but yeah. he just said he didn't feel comfortable acting like himself. Yeah, it, it no, it just it. it I don't know. I think that I think that same player said he's still in counseling over some of the stuff that's happened to him, and he didn't watch football for like five years because he wanted nothing to do with football after he left Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, so it, I, I mean, it, I don't know. It's seri- it, I mean, it is it is Big Ten altering shit that just happened. I mean, in the last few days. Um, you know, when I was sitting there and I've been doodling my schedule, I was like, eh, I think we're going to beat Northwestern. I'm pretty sure, but I'm going to keep this in the not circle as a win yet because I still need to decide. It is now circled as a win. I, If we lose to Northwestern, that is a big, big blow now without Pat Fitzgerald. 
Um, regardless of everything off the field, uh, the Northwestern got substantially weaker with the firing of him. Well, and they were and they were already in for probably a long year because I, I looked at it on Athlons and they only had two returning starters on offense and I think four on defense. Well, and, th- and that brings up the whole question with Northwestern: What was it, Pat Fitzgerald? And, and I apologize, I, I thought I wrote his name down, but was or was it their defensive coordinator? Like they they lost there. There was a direct line of things in the sand of Northwestern's success of them losing their defensive coordinator in twenty twenty one. And it going to shit directly afterwards. So, Tyler, I just want to kind of go back to this. I know, I know you kind of mentioned uh, Baylor and uh, Penn, Penn State, State in, in, in this situation. I, and it's nowhere near as bad as that. I'm not going to allude to that. And it's as bad as those things. Nowhere close. Uh, but the NCAA stepped in and punished both those schools. Is there a punishment the NCAA could even give Northwestern right now? Like, are you going to give them a bull ban? They're not going to a bowl anyway. So, but I mean, were any laws broken? Possibly. Possibly. I mean, if it was sexual assault, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, if you're going to fire a coach for sexual assault, you better bring up charges on those players that were... I have no problem with that. Do it. But I mean, I'm I'm just saying, I mean, if that's the thing. But I don't know. And maybe there were some laws broken here, but... uh, but when you throw out sexual assault, that is very that's that is very very harsh, right there. When you here, say that, I mean, it it, it is. Here, yeah, it, here's that, my that, wish. That's where it doesn't become a joking matter, right? No, there. It, but, it definitely doesn't. Um, and and here's what I hope: if if the allegations, what you have heard, are the hundred percent the truest, and even worse than that, then I want the book to be thrown at Pat Pat Fitzgerald. Well, it, I mean. We've already talked about this naked car wash thing. I, you got to touch my wiener to get into the shower. That's sexual assault, dude. That's weird. If, that, yeah, if yeah. that was a woman, if that was a woman that you said that to, it would be sexual assault. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I hear. I, I, so, the, 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 what I do not want is I do not want all these players to get thrown into this and humiliated publicly and all of this outed, unless it's going to land on Fitzgerald. Like if 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 it's gonna be like, yeah, man, he he's gonna burn for this. Then so be it, and whatever. It's just it's just it's really for me, guys. I'll be honest. It is hard because five days ago, seven days ago, I had a lot of respect for Pat Fitzgerald. Absolutely. It, and, and this could be this could be a Mike Leach situation at Texas Tech. A little bit, right? Things, things are just getting blown way out of proportion. And and, and or I, I would equate it to like Joe Pa. Like when I remember the Joe Pa scandal came out, it took me a minute to be like, yeah, but did he really know? And as time went on, I was like, no, that that fucker knew. I mean, like that he 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 knew what was going on and he hit it, and he's a son of a bitch for it. But when it first happened, there was a moment that I'm like. You're really gonna tear down his statue? You're really gonna do all this? Like, what, did he really like? It's just it was hard for me to to like have a guy had an revenant like reverence like thinking he's a really good guy, really good coach, really good man that could be capable of hiding a scandal like that. And again, we we we've already said this not as severe, but I, I'm a little bit that with Fitzgerald right now. I'm like I I liked him as a coach. So in seven days, to just warp my mind that think that he was, is 
he was putting into place a culture that was sexually assaulting young men is really weird and, and hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, I mean, as much as the news has kind of uh, not changed, but, you know, more news has been given out day by day. I mean, who knows what, what this is all going to look like. And I I don't believe that the investigation uh, – I think there's going to be another investigation. If all if they fire him – It has him, to be. Yeah, now that he's fired, I mean, there, there's going to be another investigation. Well, there's a lawsuit. He says he's yeah. suing. And, and which the university isn't going to sit there and say, well, yeah, we're just going to – they're going to they're gonna pull it out and they're going to say this is what we have on the table. This is the evidence against you. And it doesn't matter which way this investigation goes. This is a huge black eye on Northwestern 100%. as a university. I mean, it doesn't Absolutely. matter which way it goes. And then, and then to make matters worse, their baseball coach is now being accused of bullying and yeah. mistreating players. Yeah. yeah. So now, I, I know baseball's not huge in the Big Ten, but I mean, you got two men's sports where you're possibly getting rid of coaches maybe, in a matter of like ten maybe days. Northwestern's just trying to save some money and get rid of sports altogether. Well, I mean. <laughs> Again, what what is Northwestern right now? I mean, like that that as a program is it, it's tough. I mean, I so I, I think we beat this to the ground. Like I said, I, I will just say that. Like right, I think yeah, on behalf of because we, we do. Okay, we've gone way too long on the Pat Fitz uh, yeah, scenario. This was supposed to be coaches on the hot seat. So I'm going to give my little take now that Pat Fitzgerald is gone. So the coaches on the hot seat in the Big Ten headed into 2023 is a party of one, and that's Tom Allen. There's no other coach on the hot seat. Tom Allen needs to have or not have a Tom Allen season to keep his job. But no other coach in my by my thoughts is on the is even a candidate for the hot seat. Derek. I, I, I would agree with you, but I, I want to bring up a couple names that I've heard brought up, not necessarily by magazines or media, but you you hear it in the grapevine. Uh, I've heard Mel Tucker, if he continues to struggle, especially with Peyton Thorne transferring out and their top wide receiver transferring out. Uh, it, but I don't believe that Michigan State's going to pay that buyout to get him out of there this fast. I, I golfed with a Michigan State alum uh, last Thursday, and uh, he does not like Mel Tucker. He wants him gone, but – the money, that money, there's realistically... Because they overreacted to yeah. one season. Yeah. They overreacted to having uh, Walker there. Yeah. And and they overpaid him. But they can't, they will not fire him because the, of that money. I, I agree. I, I agree that the, the buyout's too much to get rid of him. And then the, the second name I've heard is just absolutely absurd to me, but uh, I've heard I've heard Ryan Day talked about if if he were to lose to Michigan again for a third year in a row. And I, I think it's absurd. I don't think that Ohio State's going to get rid of a good coach like Ryan Day because of one loss. But I find it interesting that people are talking about it. So, but by your estimation, only Tom Allen is the only yes, coach on the Yes, Tom, Tom Allen, the only other one I could maybe pull out of the air would be Greg Schiano, but I think what? he's pretty far from. 
I think he's pretty far from a hot seat too. Well, let me, let me jump in there because I, right, Mel Tucker is zero percent on the hot seat. There, there is no. He could go zero and twelve, and he's not getting fired. There is no scenario. Ryan Day, there is a doomsday scenario that gets him fired, but I, I, I don't even want to spend time on that because I think it's like not even really in the realm of possibility. It's an outlier. If, if he goes eight and four, maybe it gets kind of dicey going in twenty twenty four. Even not, then, not, but he's not fired this year. I, I, th- I mean, shy of him missing a bowl. Which is not even on the board for Ohio State. I don't think he's fired. Greg Schiano. Let me let me just throw out some numbers. Greg Schiano right now is if, if the last three seasons his record is three and six, five and eight, and four and eight. Okay, right now, depending on the publication, depending on the source, he is favored to go second to last or last in the Big Ten East. Based off historical results, that's going to be good for a three or four win season. Okay, so he'll be four years in. And possibly with a record of 15 or 16 and 30. You know who also had a 16 and 31 record and got fired? Scott Frost. And you cannot tell me that Greg Shiano was more beloved by Rutgers than Scott Frost was when he came to Nebraska. And, and I know Scott Frost burned bridges. I know all that stuff that happened. But the favored son thing runs thin when you suck that bad for that long. And they kind of put a little bit more context about how bad Northwestern has been. Last year, their last five games, it went 0-5 Rutgers. down the stretch. Rutgers, I'm sorry. Rutgers, they, they they lost by an average of 31 points a game. Their last five games, they went 0-5. Last year, they finished second to last, only slightly better than Northwestern on the Covenant, Cuzcast power rankings in the Big Ten. So, so, so the second worst team in the Big Ten last year was Rutgers, according to us. Like, Greg Schiano, I know Rutgers isn't a power school. But if it goes as bad as some people think, I think it's 100% on the board. If he goes 6-6, six 5-7, six, he's saved. But if he goes 3-9, and 4-8, and man, I don't know if he survives this year. Two things. I don't think they would ever get rid of the only coach that really gave them a lot of sustained su- success in Greg Schiano. And two, after this year, after divisions go away and he misses out on Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State every single year, his schedule is likely to get easier uh, from time to time. So when you miss out on those three schools, well, that's going to help. He's gonna, I don't know that he's going to miss out on all three of those schools every year. but No, but... But he will not have to play all three of those schools in the same year. Okay, but can we go back and define? I, I know it's it, he. Can we define sustained success? Because because what what the window you are talking about is from two thousand and five and two thousand and eleven, where he went seven and five, eleven and two, eight and five, eight and five, nine and four, four and eight, and nine and four. But when he left Rutgers, his first go around, he was. 68 and 67 as a head coach. He was a 500 coach when he left Northwestern the first time. His career record at Did you know he was taken over for? I, I, Ruggers. I, 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 I get it. I just, I think with the money coming in. You know, what conference were they in? Big East. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if they were in the Big I, I just, I I think that Rutgers. <laughs> he, was in, he was in the Big East after... All the Big East teams left. 
it it is a I think it's on the board. I, I, Again, it has to be bad. It has to be really bad. Tom Allen, you're 100% right. Tom Allen misses a bowl. He's fired. If Shano has to go a little bit lower than that, but I think that if he goes 3-9 and nine or 2-10 and 10 or even 4-8, and eight, like it, it is on the board for him to be fired. But I do want to throw one more name out on you guys. James Franklin. Oh, my God. All right. Okay, so, so so James Franklin. He's underperformed. I'll, I'll give you he's underperformed. So so Penn with the recruiting classes he's had to not be a consistent top ten team. I mean he's had some top ten teams though. I don't I, I don't agree with you that he could be on a hot seat. Okay, so James Franklin was. Well, he I, I do, I, but I will th- say that he, I think he's underperformed. So James Franklin with the talent that's on his roster in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one. If you look at those two seasons in a bubble. He was a 500 coach. I think there was a lot of people in Penn State heading into next year, last year, saying, well, if this year doesn't turn around, he's going to be in the hot seat. And you know what? He did his part. He went 11-2. But Penn State, had he's one conference championship appearance in his tenure there, and that was 2016. If this year goes a little bit haywire for him, instead of going 10-2, 9-3, which I think – the general expectations are he he goes seven and five. I I don't think he'll be fired, but Penn State isn't that far removed. Like if if you use the Joe Pa Tom Osborne parallel, like they're they're a lot closer to Joe pa, the to Joe Pa than we were to Tom Osborne, where we got rid of Bo Pelini. Is isn't there like a little bit of like they're paying him a shit ton of money? They're not getting the success on the field. They they are if they go seven and five, eight and four, whatever that number is, is is there like a holy shit? USC's coming. We're clearly falling to fourth or fifth in the Big Ten. Like, isn't that coming around? And a little bit of like, Penn State thinks they're above that status. So I don't think Penn State sees themselves as the fourth team in a conference or the fifth team in a conference. And and it's all, that, those are all fair points. I mean, they shouldn't. I, don't I, they I, should I just fire can't, I just can't see I, I can't see them firing him. And if they do, I think a lot of teams would probably run after him. And sure, hundred percent. I I I I agree. I I just but but the reason I bring up James Franklin not necessarily think he will be fired. The the Big Ten like I wrote down every coach that has a chance. Ryan Day, I agree with you. There is a weird scenario where he could. I think there's two coaches actually on a warm seat right now. One actually on a hot seat, and that's Tom Allen. And then there's Ryan Day and James Franklin that are like, do the school's expectations warrant a like unrealistic success for this year? Because there's no other coach that's on the hot, even even in a no one else's. I I, I don't believe it at all. Uh, I mean. Uh, James Franklin is responsible for four. Uh, he's had four 11-win seasons in the last seven years. And one of those was a COVID year where they didn't even play 11 games, right? But they didn't win 11 that year. But going back between 2015, or even if you go Bill O'Brien, uh, in 2013, just to get to double-digit wins from uh, uh, 2013, you got to go back to 
1999 before you can get four double digit wins. I mean, there's, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. That that would be one hell of a dumb trade off. That'd be that'd probably be worse than firing Bo Pelini. But I, I, got would, rid of I would say it'd be pretty equivalent. But, but isn't Nebraska? I mean, isn't Penn State in Nebraska? Aren't we kind of equivalent program wise? I think in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. like we we there's a lot of parallels there, and and we've sure. seen what Nebraska does. We've seen what we again. I think we. We are far enough removed from that limelight. I just, I, I don't know if Penn State is. I don't know if Penn State is far enough removed from Joe Pa. And, and James Franklin is entering what is it year nine? I'll say I'll say this. I, I don't follow enough Penn Ten, State I fans, and I don't know enough Penn State fans to know what their feelings are on James Franklin. I do follow a lot of Ohio State fans. I do see a lot of frustration with Ryan Day. Well, Ryan Day, I mean, th- th- that is the most- I see. I see a lot of fans stick up for him, too. But I do see some frustration with Ryan Day. They're really pissed about losing to Michigan two years in a row. See, the, the challenge yeah, with but Ryan that's, Day. That's the same thing with Alabama. Anytime they lose the game, there's going to be a subset of their fan base. I get it. That's I like, get oh, it. He's, uh, he's too old. He lost a game. I get, I get it. And I don't disagree with you there either, Justin. I don't disagree with you there either. And I don't think he's fired. I don't think he's close to being fired. I I think Ohio State would be stupid to fire him. Okay. So so last question I have for you guys before we get out of here. So we've all kind of agreed the only job on the hot seat is Tom Allen. Correct. So we know Northwestern has a job opening. Is there any debate what is the better job in the Big Ten if those are the only two jobs that come open? No, I mean, I think Northwestern's easily the worst job in the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree. And that's all because of recruiting. Okay. So my scenario where Greg Schiano is on the warm seat, Indiana, Rutgers, what is a better job? Probably, Rutgers. Probably Indiana. I'd say Rutgers. That New Jersey pipeline is something. I could be swayed. It could be Indiana. I mean, Indiana's had some success in the Big Ten in recent years. That's because of Tom Allen, who they're about to fire. (laughs) Be it as it may. I mean, Rutgers has had zero success in the Big Ten. Yeah, you're right. All right. Uh, Guys, it's been fun. We went long tonight. Uh, fun as always uh we'll be back next week uh, as we continue our weekly podcast throughout the 2023 husker football season special thanks to our producer connor russell for putting this audio together for us be sure to follow the husker coastcast on twitter at husker coastcast like us on facebook look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts including heard at media Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red.